Hey y'all, it's me again, Bonnie Violet. I just wanted to take a second and thank my Patreon members. Patreon members are folks who contribute on a monthly basis, anywhere from $3 to $150 a month to support the work of a queer chaplain. Big shout out to Victoria Thompson, Jason Brandt, Brandon Stanton, Kim Silva, Brandy McCarg, Randy Sandnot, Bob Kaiser, Joey Heckmeister, Violet Rhiannon, Gabriel, Jonathan, Patrick and Todd Atkins Whitley. Thank you so much for your continued contributions. And if you're interested in joining the Patreon, just check the link in the description. Go to patreon.com forward slash Bonnie Violet. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Hello, hi there. Um, welcome to Drag and, Spiritual Drag and Spirituality, Gender Diverse. Uh, my name is Bonnie Violet. I am a queer chaplain. I am trans, femme, genderqueer, spiritual drag artist. I use she, her pronouns. Um, and I'm super stoked and excited for you all to be here. Um, we are going to be joining in a conversation with three other drag artists where we are going to engage in conversation around drag and spirituality, amongst so many other things you'll hear about gender and sexuality and who knows what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be great. I want to take a second to thank um, our sponsor uh, this evening, which is Glide Church and the Glide Pride team. A uh, big shout out to them for hosting us um, and, and uh, supporting this event happening again. Um, I believe this is the third year third or fourth year um, that we've collaborated to put on a Dragon Spirituality event. And we are um, so glad that you all could join us this evening. Um, also, I wanted to give a shout out to, um, for a queer chaplain. Um, uh, yeah, a queer chaplain. <laughs> I wanted to just thank um, our Patreon members. Um, Patreon is a way in which people contribute on a monthly basis. 
um, to support um, the work of a queer chaplain, which a queer chaplain programming is, is uh, conversations around drag and spirituality, uh, around trans, uh, being trans and spirituality. Um, we also are putting on a spiritual drag conference uh, later this year in October that's gonna take place in Chicago. Um, and there's lots of other um, great things that a queer chaplain is working on um, over the next few months. So check out um, aqueerchaplain.org uh, to learn more about the queer chaplain and to get connected with the Patreon. Um, in the bottom in the ticker, you can also see a thank you <laughs> to everyone. I'm not gonna go ahead and thank everyone out loud at the moment, uh, just because we have a robust conversation have, uh, to have, and I have three artists that are chomping at the bit uh, to get in here. So um, the first artist I would like to uh, bring to the, to the stage is Ashley Blow. Ashley Blow, hey girl. Hey. Hey, how's it going? It's going great this lovely Saturday. So it's good to see you. Awesome. So glad that you could join me. And I want to also invite the Dragon King. Hi. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? And it's last but not least, Bobby Friday. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Hi everyone. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, so glad that we all could be here this um, lovely afternoon <laughs> on a Saturday. Uh, in full drag, uh, well, full drag, right? <laughs> you don't need to see my pants. I know, right? Drag <laughs> Exactly. Um, one thing I didn't mention is, is that um, for audience members, we would love for you to engage in this conversation as well. So feel free, uh, whether you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook or Twitch, um, to just put in the comments any questions or comments that you might have. Um, and we will engage with them as much as possible. Also, you will notice uh, the um, social media accounts and Vimo accounts and PayPal accounts of all the drag artists. So please do engage uh, with those um, as much as possible. You can find them on the screen throughout the event, as well as you can see them in the description of the video. So I think that's enough of the logistics. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on with this thing. So um, I love... Um, so you, you are artist number 31, 32, and 33 um, of drag artists that have been interviewed um, by myself <laughs> um, to talk about spirituality. Um, and I often like to start from the beginning. So I would love to hear uh, just a little bit about um, your childhood, whatever comes to your mind that you feel like you'd like to share, um, but something from your childhood. Who would like to go first? I'll go first. All right. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley Blow, pronouns they, them. Uh, thank you again, Bonnie Violet, for having this um, uh, event and having this discussion. Uh, you know, my childhood, it, you know, it wasn't the greatest, but there were some, definitely some bright spots um, that led me to being the performer that I am today. And I guess I was just a natural performer when I when I think about my childhood. I I went to an elementary school in Bronx, New York. So that's where sort of religion and spirituality started for me. And um, one of the things I uh, always wanted to do was, you know, sing in the choir or play music or uh, or be in the play. So I was always very animated 
and wanting attention on me and wanting people to look at me and not wanting to not be seen. Um, one of the dumbest things I did as a kid to get attention is I wanted everybody to think I had braces. So mm. I put aluminum foil on my teeth and went to school and told everybody I had braces because I just wanted the attention. <laughs> and I know the teachers must have looked at me like, what is wrong with this kid? Mm. Um, but <laughs> but I, you know, I uh, used to dress up like Michael Jackson and try to create hair out of yarn, a yarn and, a, and a, like a, um, what do you call it, like a headband. So I would like staple yarn uh, to it and, and make it hair and do this sort of thing. Um, so fun. <laughs> another thing I did, uh, again, this is in the Bronx in the projects, is I would sing Annie, the sun will come out tomorrow, out the window. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Bronx and familiar with like the housing projects, but we all have like these gates on our windows. So I'm just oh, wow. holding on to, to the gate singing, the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know why I did that, but anyway. You were um, but yeah, my childhood was filled with a lot of performing and joining choral groups and uh, performing arts groups. And um, when I got older, I joined the chorus. I started doing drag and, and here I am today. Yeah, sounds like you were destined to be a drag artist one day. I've, <laughs> I've never heard anyone talk about braces like that. I When I was little, I had a babysitter and she had braces and she was like, I just thought she was so cute and pretty. And so like, I wanted braces because I thought like, that's what would make me pretty, right? Or whatever. But anyways, <laughs> uh, how about you? How about you, the Dragon King? Um, I actually grew up in a house that was very resistant to me um, doing performance. Like they, they let me, um, they let me do band, like I did um, alto and barry sax, but um, that was seen as more like just like educational enough that it would still like be useful to me. Like they, they really wanted me to go to college. My dad grew up dirt poor, had to do a lot of really difficult stuff just to get an education. So I understood where he was coming from, but he was very resistant to me doing like what little theater I managed to squeeze myself into. It was very resistant. And then I went to college and then I came out and then I discovered what drag kings are and then I moved to the Bay Area, so here we are. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was um, it was seen as like a distraction doing like theater or performance or something like or stuff like that. So yeah, not not all that much in terms of spirituality. I my father was raised Jewish, but then was I don't want to say forced to become Catholic, but um, when his father left my grandmother, he was like, my grandmother decided, okay, we're gonna be Catholic now um, because he was Jewish. And so he grew up Catholic, sent me to Catholic school. My mother's Lutheran. Um, the Catholics do not always get along super well with Lutheran. So it was just this like three religions were always mentioned and discussed in my household. And the like pros and cons and like different opinions were always there. So I, I did at least learn to like think critically about everything, but it was also sometimes confusing because it's like, 
I don't know. It was just, it was a lot of different identities like kind of mushed in. And that's why I really appreciate that with drag. I can at least kind of like parse, I at least parse through the Catholic school feelings a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad and I don't speak a lot, but I would like to talk to him more about um, his Jewish upbringing more and all, and all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Bobby? Okay. Um, so <laughs> I'm like sitting here like listening to everything that everybody said. And so far, I feel like there's just so much that I relate to, right? I think as like queer people and then like queer artists, we all sort of have these really like similar sort of like stories or at least underlying parts of our story, right? Um, uh, but for me, um, growing up as a kid, I think I always, I always loved performing. I always loved uh, being center of attention. Uh, I mean, as long as I can remember. And the thing is, is that I was born in 1983, which just so happens to be the year that Madonna released her f- first full studio album. And I have been obsessed with Madonna literally like my entire life. Like there's like every pivotal moment in my life, there's a Madonna album and a Madonna song that like I can think of. And I think exactly of that time and what was happening. Um, But it started with me, like I used to watch the Like a Virgin tour video on repeat every single day and just like stuff sheets in the back of my shorts so that I could have a train and perform like a virgin on the coffee table. And so I was just always, I always just love performing. And I always, I think as, as a boy, right. Like growing up and, you know, especially like in the eighties, you know, I feel like things aren't so much like they are now. Um, and we were, you know, I think very, you're, and, and then of course I'm, you know, my dad is Latin and Mexican. And so then there's also that sort of like an expectation of sort of like you're a boy and you're supposed to act a certain way. But the thing was, is that I just never really was like interested in that stuff. Like I always wanted to play with Barbies and I always like wanted to play dress up and like, I was always interested in fashion and beauty. And so it was like, I learned early on to live this sort of like double life, if you will. Um, Cause growing up for me in school, like I think I, I started getting called a faggot in the second grade. And, uh, and what was funny was, is that my parents divorced when I was five. And so, and I like, my parents were really great. They, you know, I think like every family we had our issues and stuff, but you know, after my parents divorced, we moved around a lot. And I remember that I always used to have this feeling of like, every time I'd move and I'd start at a new school, it'd be like a reset. Like, and then it would always be that same group of boys within five days that would like zero in on something about me. And then it would like, I would just start being bullied again. So growing up, like I always felt really lonely. You know, I always felt uh, I always had the sense that like something was like felt like wrong with me. Um, but there was also this weird like sort of 
I think that that's where the idea of being creative or being artistic, you know, like in that, in that loneliness and trying to find a way to like feel it, you know, in my fantasy, it was always grand. I was always the most beautiful, like shining thing that like, you know, and, and people loved me for like who I was and, uh, and yeah, so I think a lot of that sort of played into it. And as far as like spirituality, that was also really difficult for me too, because I grew up in a Christian household and, uh, you know, there's some things about Christianity that I think that are really great about love thy neighbor and, you know, uh, do unto others and that sort of stuff. But then I remember it very distinctively, actually, um, I was on a camping trip with my parents and my grandparents and we were in a Utah. <laughs> we were at this, this water park that was an RV ground and I remember standing in line and these two older girls, they were like teenage girls. I wasn't a teenager yet, but I remember standing in line and them talking to me and uh, asking me like, oh, so what religion are you? And then saying like Christian and then them very like immediately, but what kind of Christian? Mm. And that just put sort of this sort of, for me, put a, a like a big wall because I already felt that like because I was being bullied and uh, and I was already this sort of like outcast. I already felt like okay, well, if there's this place, this is my religion. This is supposed to be my safe space, my spirituality, and I'm already then being asked, well, what kind of Christian are you? Mm -hmm. That just made me feel like even more disconnected from things. And honestly, it wasn't. You know, and I went through like this whole thing of like, you know, coming out and finding my tribe and, you know, my tribe just so happened to be the Bay Area rave scene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great time. I was young. We were having fun. But, you know, I bet that I was also experimenting with a lot of substances. And then mm -hmm. eventually that took over. And then I found myself in full-blown drug addiction. And I really haven't had – it was – going to rehab and getting sober and uh, sort of being forced to like trust in something outside of myself um, because clearly my way of thinking and my approach to life was no longer working for me. So I had to just sort of put faith in other people and that's sort of where I reconnected with the idea of spirituality. And mm -hmm. um, and the truth is, is that I don't really know what that is. I, I don't feel like I'm, I, it's so much of a religious thing um, because I feel like religion can be a little bit dicey sometimes, right? Because I feel like there's this, in most religions, there's a book. You're supposed to like read this book. And then you have all these people picking and choosing what parts of the book that they're going to take and like what works for them and then pointing the finger at other people. And for me, it's like, I'd rather just pick the parts of the book and then like leave it alone and just go about my life and just not be a dick. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just don't be an asshole. Like, you know, right. like just be a good person. Like, and you know, and for me, the idea of spirituality really just is being connected 
to mm-hmm. things, people, places, things around me, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I, I I feel like I went off on a tangent, which is probably no, it's perfect. <laughs> no, it's really great. It leads us right into um, a question that we have from the audience. Um, I think really well. You kind of already answered the question a little bit, um, so we can pose it to the other two. But the question is from Amy. Amy says, "How do you connect to your faith during dark times? Uh, do you use faith to help you through pain, physical or mental?" And uh, Mark, if you could put it up on the screen, that'd be great. Or I'm sorry, LB. <laughs> we, we have some lovely tech folks. Uh, Mark and LB are helping us out. So you can, uh, so you all can see the question again up here. Um, but would either of you like to answer that question? And then sure. we're going right into the faith conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> yes, very um, good question. I'll start. I, I think... Uh, for, you know, for a long time, I had a very tough relationship with uh, religion and spirituality because of the way I was brought up. I was brought up in a, um, in a, uh, a Pentecostal household, so everything was fire and brimstone and, and you're going to hell and you're a terrible person. So for a while, I really rejected religion and I rejected spirituality and uh, didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I could tell during that time, that's when sort of the light went out inside of me. And I just sort of went down this dark spiral and um, into heavy drinking and drugs and that sort of thing because I wasn't connected, you know, because I let my past and my childhood and my experience um, uh, affect how I, how I felt and how I existed in life. Um, but there was always something, whenever there were dark times, I was always looking to a higher power and I didn't want to admit to myself that I was looking for into a higher power um, to get me out of what I was in. Um, so a lot of times uh, music for me is a way to get through the dark times uh, and it's it's spiritual music and it's music that's kind of controversial, especially in the LGBTQ community, because it's it's Christian music. Um, I appreciate Christian music and Christianity for the message that, that, it's, that it's trying to send, but it might not be sending correctly, um, especially when you get to fire and brimstone, going to hell and that sort of thing. But the beautiful things that come out of it, like loving one another and loving yourself and, um, you know, connecting with uh, something that's uh, that's greater than yourself. I love that. Like it brings me joy and it and it gives me hope. So one of the things I listen to to connect with my my faith, or one one of the things I do is uh, is connect with music. Um, and then when I'm connected with music and I'm connected with my higher power and I'm being my most authentic self, which is through performing. Um, that that gets me through. If I'm not performing or if I'm not existing in a space where I can express myself, that's when uh, things go dark. So I try to, again, listen to music to get me out of that and also um, do things that connect me with my higher power, which to me is through art and performance. Thank you. The Dragon King? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> sorry, um, allergies. Um, I, through the process of going through the Catholic school system, through um, um, 
growing up with Jewish relatives, growing up with Lutheran relatives. Um, I am a baptized Lutheran and I wouldn't be, I don't go to church and I'm still trying to figure out like if I even want to like identify under a specific religion. Um, but the thing that um, I do believe in the soul, like I do believe that like that um, imprints of ourselves linger. I live in a very haunted house, so I'm very convinced of this. Um, this is a this used to be a convent. This is over a hundred years old. The nuns get feisty sometimes, um, and because of that, it's like okay, there is a soul. I can at least believe that there is some higher power and I wish I could remember the name of this ruler um, but I'm reminded of um, it was like a clip of, of a Muslim ruler speaking to a Christian um, and it was basically him saying like you see this torn tapestry there are many holes and the sunlight shines through in different ways your God is a just different shining of the same light and that is what I most believe in. That is what I take the most comfort in that like, I don't believe in specific religions going to hell because they don't follow the same practice. I just try to be as kind to everyone as humanly possible and hope that, that there is some higher power that there is that my beliefs on the soul are correct. And then just that we can just try our best to be kind to one another. And that's what I try to hold with me when it, when things do get dark and things get scary in the, in the outside world. Yeah, yeah. I think for myself, I think that that's one of the things that I've always found so frustrating about religion in general especially as someone who grew up being like bullied for being different you know you're just like it was just that idea of like oh my religion's the only right religion and if you're not like falling in line with that and you're not doing what my religion tells you to do then you're going to hell like first of all like that just like when you look at like the underlying messages of a lot of different religions and a lot of them are very similar you know, so it's sort of like, okay, well, if there's all these underlying messages that are very similar, well, who's to say is the right one versus the wrong one? I think it's just, um, yeah, like, I think if there's this, like, underlying message of, like, be a good person and try and, like, like, you know, ultimately you're, you're responsible for your own life, the good and the bad. And so, like, it's all about how you approach that or what what side, if you choose to live in a negative way and put negati negativity out into the world, then most likely that's what's going to come back to you or, you know, vice versa. And uh, so this, honestly, for me, sometimes I get like, I don't know if I necessarily believe in this whole idea of like heaven or hell and that like, however we choose to live here is like determines where we're going to go in that next part. Like the reality is, is that like, I don't know, like, and I think that most people don't know, but what I do know is that in certain parts of my life, it definitely felt like I was living in hell. Right. <laughs> like, and so if I change the way that I 
I go through my life, if I change what I'm putting out into the world, if I change my perspective on things, if I work on changing myself, then all of a sudden I can find my, like what I found is, is especially like through performance and that sort of stuff that like, sometimes I can access that like heaven on earth. Sometimes I'm in that place where things feel really, really good. And, and it's like bliss. And so for me, I just like focus on trying to be present in the moment rather than thinking about what's going to happen when I'm dead, because <laughs> I'm not there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. If I can add to that, um, both with uh, what the Dragon King said and, and, and Bobby Friday uh, make very good points. I don't I, someone asked a question about, do you, um, you know, subscribe to a specific religion? I absolutely don't. And I think for me, and in my opinion, um, I'm sort of group averse anyway, because I think what happens is we have all these different religions around the world. Everyone thinks they're right. And, and what happens in that is if you don't follow that particular religion, then all those different groups start fighting each other because you're not doing what they think you're supposed to be doing. Um, I think not following um, religion uh, and being a free people as we are, we're free to exist, we're free to practice religion, and we're free not to practice religion. For me, it's very freeing not to practice a religion, but to find my own path to connect to my higher power as I see that higher power. Um, and, and through that, it's it's living, it's performing, it's connecting with people, it's connecting with our environment. It's trying to just be a good person without telling other people, well, if you don't do it my way, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Uh, Robert in the comments says, take what take what works and screw the rest <laughs> which yeah. is a lot of a lot of what we heard um, there was also a comment from uh angel um aka linda summers who said uh through prayer and meditation who answered the question that you all were posed through prayer and meditation but knowing that sometimes i might not get the answers that i want but understanding that the effort that goes into prayer and meditation is is tapping into that power that's pure love and forgiving. Um, just a qu question: Do do any of you have um, how? What the question is? How do you connect? You talked a little bit about it, but do you do prayer? Do you do meditation? Do you have ways of connecting with either yourself or that which is outside of me? Outside of me? <laughs> outside of you? Um, uh, that that you would like to share? Um, I know we heard a little bit, like Ashley talked a lot about music and, you know, things like that. But uh, does anyone want to talk about the prayer or meditation? Or I like, for me, I like, I like candles. I don't know why, but for me, it's helpful just to light a candle. Think of somebody that I know, I love, something that they're going through. Um, and, and for me, that feels a little bit more, I don't know, it feels right. feels right for me. How about, how about you all? Um, well, for me... I'm like, I have a really difficult time, like sitting still. So the idea of like, let me just sit here and like stew on something or like meditate or try and get in touch with myself. It's just sometimes too much. I'm like, bitch, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to turn on Beverly Hills, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and call it mine. Well, I'm going to be meditating with Erica Jane over here. Okay. Right. But, for me, honestly, one thing that I have found that really works is 
and this is why I think, um, you know, sometimes, it, you know, my, my, my sisters and like other performers in the community will read me because I like to take my time when I get ready, when I'm like painting mm -hmm. and I'm doing all of this, because for me, it's one of the few times where I feel like um, quiet enough to just sort of like get in touch with like what I'm feeling like and or or I just find myself in this place where I'm really present in like what it is that I'm doing and my mind isn't like going 15,000 different directions at once or I'm not like thinking about like, oh, I need to be this place, this place and that place. Is that every time? No, but I, more times than not, when I'm putting myself into drag, there is a form of meditation and a form of like plugging in. And it's weird because I, I think of plugging in, uh, plugging in for me happens when I unplug this, right? Like when I plug my brain, like from that, endless cycle of like just thoughts and like things that I'm constantly thinking about when I unplug that and just get into like the moment and where what I'm doing that's when I feel like that there's this like sort of meditation happening and that's all of a sudden when things will become clear for me or mm -hmm. uh, maybe things that I was feeling a certain way about all of a sudden that's resolved or I know the next right thing to do or you know things like that. So traditional meditation doesn't work for me, but painting my face does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can relate to that completely. I, I have a similar experience when I'm, you know, getting on, getting in the face and stuff. I mean, to me, creation, creating is like such a spiritual thing, you know, giving life to something, you know, like what's more godly or divine or sacred than that. And so I think, you know, you know, putting on a face, putting on the stones, whatever, like all of that to me is bringing life um, to, you know, to an expression or that sort of thing. So I, I totally relate to what, to what you just shared, Bobby. How about um, Dragon King or the Dragon King or Ashley Blow? Um, I can go. Um, I have too much anxiety and I am too neurodivergent to do meditation. I just, I, I'll, I'll get too distracted in my head. So what I do is I will, um, the reason I love living in San Francisco so much is because I can go on these long ass walks. Like I've gone walking for almost seven hours in like the darkest times in my life. And I'll just like, I'll have a playlist and sometimes it'll have words and sometimes it won't. And the one times when it doesn't, it's at least like enough that I can tune out the rest of the world, but like see everything around me and like have that time to like think out my life and, figure out what I need. And I do find painting meditative, but honestly, the, the times when I get like a lot more introspective or in the zone is um, when I'm working on um, accessories or sewing or something like that. I don't know. That's just something about like doing the teeny tiniest little details and using gallons of hot glue. <laughs> um, for the particular stuff that I work on, that's just really soothing and really able to just kind of recenter myself and re kind of like realign where I am in the universe. And it's some of the few times I feel like I can just 
have that time to myself because I'm between doing drag, working at multiple venues, working security and door at multiple venues, running two event spaces. Um, I, there's a lot of talking and there's a lot of chatter and it's sometimes very hard not to just like give all that I have to everyone else and not take that time to like recenter inside of myself. So I find like the music, the walking, the tuning out a good way to kind of realign myself. Awesome. Yeah, I see a lot of similarities between um, religious and non-religious folks. And it comes down to a practice and what brings you joy. And for a lot of uh, religious folks, it's it's the Sunday church. It's, um, you know, seeing their friends at church and, and going through the traditions and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and then for a lot of non-religious folks, uh, speaking for myself in particular, I loved going to uh, my my Gay Men's Chorus rehearsals every Monday. That was such a spiritual um, experience for me. When we would sing together, we're fumbling through the music. And then when it finally connects and we're all connected to this piece of music, there's so much joy that comes out of that. And it's such a spiritual moment. So that's a connection uh, for me. Um, also, I agree with Bobby and the Dragon King, you know, there's a, there's a connection with oneself when you're painting and you're, you're living in your art space. Um, and then performing, you know, that's the ultimate connection for me. If I'm performing a song, sometimes I just get lost in the music or get lost in the song because I try to do songs that mean something to me. Uh, and that, that's such a spiritual thing. And you're looking out at the audience and you're connecting with the audience and you're feeling that energy and you're just there with everybody. That's, that is like, that is church for me. I, I love it. Indeed. And might I add that Ashley is an incredible performer. Yes. <laughs> you have not seen them perform. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, and, and you all speak really beautifully to, like in the beginning of like doing drag and spirituality, before I ever even did drag, I was interviewing drag artists because I saw them as our spiritual leaders, as somebody who grew up in church and Jesus and then got hurt and harmed. I was really drawn to drag artists who were, they were kind of doing the work of church um, in my mind. They were raising money to take care of people in the community. They were out in community. They were like, you know, visible. They were um, helping us get in touch with uh, information and education that we needed, or maybe even getting out of ourselves and being able to laugh and experience joy or even cry sometimes. And to me, I just feel like whether or not drag artists want to call themselves that or not, I think that we are spiritual leaders and that we are impacting, I think impacting our community in a way that hopefully, you know, preachers and rabbis and monks and other spiritual leaders, I hope they're having the same impact on their communities as we do within ours. Um, I wanna go ahead and take a quick, uh, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick quick break um, and then uh, we'll come back to talk a little bit more about drag. Thank you. 
meeting up with the homies was a little different this year, but we still found a way to make it work. Y'all heard y'all hoes. You could talk. You talking all this shit, but let me see if you could walk. Hey. There's so much media being made by our community that it can be a little overwhelming to find something new to get into. But what if there was a place where you can find curated podcasts, music, and other media by BIPOC and QTPOC creators? The Cube is an all-in-one platform where you can find the best media by BIPOC and QTPOC creators right at your fingertips. It's loaded with features for artists and audiences, like being able to tip your favorite creators or being able to participate in revenue share when you publish on the platform. We've come a long way in developing this app, and we need your help to get us past the finish line. If you want quality curated content in a community just for us, support The Cube. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for that brief little uh, break. Um, I also wanted to just, you know, talk to the folks in the comments. Thank you so much for um, engaging in this conversation. I know we haven't quite been able to put everything up on the screen or engage with you, but just know that we are listening or reading and we are engaged with you. So please continue to um, to join us in the conversation. Um, I wanted to get a sense from you all if you could talk about like, like, I know like my first favorite drag artist was Ivana Bump. Uh, I met her in Phoenix, Arizona when I was just a wee thing. Um, and I just wanted to hear a little bit maybe about when you were first introduced to drag and maybe what your experience was with that. Um, I, I, so right, my, my first experience uh, with drag, I mean, Honestly, I, I remember being young and watching uh, the Sally Jesse Raphael show. And this was like in the like early 90s. It was the, the reign of the club kid. And I just remember like, you know, these club kids, people like Amanda Lepore and people like that, like coming on to the show and just thinking, like seeing them and, and thinking like, that is that is what I want to be like that sort of expression of beauty and outrageousness and just like sort of I think what I what I really appreciated was the idea that it was so in your face and so un, unapologetic and so uh, just beautiful in its own way and uh, and then of course Tu Wong Fu came out and I did. Mm -hmm make my parents drag me. I dragged my parents to the movie theater, like, I don't even know, eight times to see it. And I mean, I was just obsessed. Uh, so those are my first influences. But as far as like first, like person that I actually met, um, of course, I remember going to uh, T-Shack back when Hecklina was still doing that at the stud. Um, but 
the first person that I ever met uh, that had an influence on me was this fabulous queen, and her name was Nikki Starr. And I met her at the uh, Marlena's, which was a bar in Hayes Valley. Um, it was around forever. It's not there anymore, but it was a fabulous bar. And it's where a lot of like uh, members of the Imperial Court and stuff hung out and were at all the time. But Nikki was just, um, she was very kind to me. And I just remember she had a very larger than life personality that I, I really enjoyed. So, yeah. awesome. Uh, Ashley, are the Dragon King? Um, I can go. Um, my I didn't know that Drag Kings existed until about college. I did know that queens existed. I actually remember when I was growing up, um, one of my still close friends from high school was in love with Peaches Christ. And... Um, I'm, I'm so sad I didn't get to see her perform live when I was in high school, but like, you know, I knew she was in the Rocky Horror community, which I was already obsessed with Rocky Horror. Um, I knew she did like horror type drag and there was just something about that, that I, I knew that there were, um, that drag queens were a thing and that they were like, they would do ex accentuated femininity, but seeing like this person with like chopped off titties it just like it just scratched an itch in my brain, and God, I if if young me knew that I now do terror vaults with Peaches Christ, like I think I would have, I would not have believed that. Um, so she has been a huge influence in my life, and she's the just warmest, best employer I've ever had. I'm, I'm gonna be real; like has always been accommodating to my disabilities. Very lovely. In terms of the first Drag King, I had, I binged watched videos of Spiky Van Dyke and a few others, but the first Drag King that I actually met in real life is my drag father, um, Vera. Um, I went to a Rebel Kings of Oakland show and there was just this happy ball of energy bouncing around being like, Hello, baby angels. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I'm, babe, I'm gazing. I'm gazing. I just, I, such positivity ended up being my um, trainer for the National LGBT Hotline. And that's how we really like bonded because they were the one who taught me how to be a peer counselor for um, LGBT people all across the country. And like, that's how we bonded. That's how we started talking more. And I am blessed to be uh, their 13th child. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Vera's fruitful. Mm. Extremely so. Um, yeah, yeah. And I've just so like between the like spoopy influences from Peaches, the just positivity and like instilled family goals to give back to the community, be a positive, positive influence and like help as many people as possible. Um, and just all the influences from my very extensive drag family has been like, just this beautiful thing that I, I greatly cherish. Yes, Vera is amazing. Yes. <laughs> Love Vera. Yes, yes. <laughs> Ashley? Yeah, um, <clears throat> coming out in the 90s in New York, Downtown West Village, 
my very best friend and I were walking through the village, being our young, immature selves, 16, 17 years old, um, seeing drag queens um, and just sort of like giggling and being silly because we didn't understand it all. Um, it was our first time to the village. Um, but after a, after a couple of trips back, we went to a bar in the village called Two Potato where they had uh, drag shows, a very small bar. They had, they had drag shows. And this beautiful, tall, slender queen was performing and she was doing Meet Me on the Moon by Phyllis Hyman. And I was so drawn to her. She had on this green dress and she was just captivating. She had on this short, she had this short bob on. And I knew there was something different about her, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And obviously I learned years later, she was a trans performer. Um, so she was a, a black trans performer. And as a kid, I, I just didn't get it, but I, I was so connected with her in that moment. And I didn't have the words to describe how I was feeling, um, except now I can just say, to me, that was a spiritual experience. And it was something that connected me with her, or that I was connected with, that years later, now I understand why. Mm -hmm. um, as a black non-binary non-binary performer, um, I I totally get it. But it was I would never forget that moment. Uh, it was so beautiful, um, and I think it's it sort of led me on the path that I am on today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that and that leads me right into the next uh, topic. I'd like for us to talk a little bit about is is gender. Um, and talking about either like our gender <laughs> during the day um, and or the gender we choose to express um, on stage or whatever. I know for me, I came to hold and identify as a trans person, uh, I think strongly in part because I started doing drag. I think in doing drag, I was able to really uh, find myself and have a place in which I could try it on, so to speak, or try parts of it on, um, and really begin to find like who I, I don't know, like just a, a fuller expression of who I'd always wanted to become and be, but never felt like I was in the right environment or the right situation uh, to be able to really um, even just try or experiment or see, well, I wonder what I would look like. Um, and, and drag really did that for me. How How is your gender been um, expressed or impacted by drag? I'll just go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long story, but I'm just going to keep it real short. Um, you know, again, growing up in the 90s and in, in the Bronx, you know, um, being a boy and being perceived as a certain type of boy has currency in the gay community. And that was taught to me as a very, at a very young age. And that just stuck with me for a very long time. So any, um, any feelings of femininity uh, um, were just suppressed and hidden because once the boys saw that, then, you know, that was a turnoff. You weren't getting any D that night if they, you know, if they saw all that. So, you know, you just kept all that inside. Um, and 
years later, you know, I, I suppressed so much. I started going through depression and started trying to figure out like, what is going on with me? Um, at the same time, I was part of the chorus and I was doing a lot of drag and I was performing. And I was, when I was in drag, I just felt, I was like, this just feels like me. And it's not just like being on stage and performing. It's like, I see myself when I am, um, you know, in hair and makeup. Like I, I see the person that I feel like I am on the inside. Um, and that just, that came out more and more the more I started to do drag. Um, and I was able to connect with myself and my, uh, my true self and my authentic self through performing and through doing drag. So uh, about five years ago, I uh, you know came out as trans and was living uh, as a trans woman, um, and it was very public and and all that stuff. And then you know something there there was something else that was uh, that was missing because I felt like I was suppressing another part of myself. It's like I went from this end all the way to this end, and then I realized I don't have to be either. Uh, and that's when I recognized my non-binary identity. And um, I can embrace all of myself and all of my identities uh, into one. And I don't have to be one or the other. And being non-binary has brought so much freedom to me. There's no pressure to be anything. I can exist as I want to exist. One day you're going to see me looking this way. Next day you're going to see me looking this way. It is what it is. And if you can't deal with it, I, ain't, I don't know what to tell you. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, here, I'll, I'll go. Um, I identify as trans non-binary. Um, I've had, like, I was, I'm AFAB. I've been on testosterone for um, almost two years now. That's crazy. Um, and when I first started doing drag, before I went on testosterone at all, um, my king looks were very traditionally masked, very like, honestly, pretty similar to this, maybe a bit less like jiggle, but, um, but I, and I think a lot of Kings go through that. Like I've seen it. It's very common to see a lot of Kings, like they'll go for very traditionally masked in the beginning. And some will stick with that and do an amazing, beautiful job. And then there'll be others um, like me, for example, who, yes, they'll still have their like, traditionally masked looking looks, but um, I've been told some of my looks look very like um, bearded queen. Um, and I've actually debated on, do I want like a drag king persona and a drag queen persona? But honestly, like all of that is dragon, like dragon's pronouns are they, them. And I, I just like, I drag kings are my home and I want to still like be a king, but I think I should, still be able to like dragon should still be able to like have a, a skirt moment or a I recently did a look where I taped over the nipples and just had like giant cherries on the titties so I was like well we're, we're just gonna have this moment and um it's been it has been very healing for me to like be able to feel for the first time like fully comfortable in my masculinity that I now that I feel comfortable in masculinity, now that I have those days where um, I can have my more euphoria, I feel much more comfortable putting like eyeshadow on and lipstick and all these other things that for a lot of my younger years, 
I was very resistant to because it never felt quite right. And I didn't discover I was non-binary until I was about 21. So just all of high school and a lot of early college was this like fever. And I must be a girl. I, I don't fully feel like a boy, so I must be, be a girl. And just a lot of like tearing myself apart. But drag has really allowed me to like do that gender healing um, and be as expressive as I want. And I really appreciate that. Bobby? Uh, yeah, so for me, um, obviously in drag, I identify as she, her. Um, for me, my drag is an expression of this, like, you know, it's a very westernized sort of, like, expression of femininity, you know? Uh, but I think that I... I enjoy that because sometimes it can be really extreme you know and uh and like i enjoy everything that goes into that even though it can be horribly uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> but out outside of drag or when i'm not you know fully done up you know it's really weird because growing up i never really i mean i felt like a boy, like physically, right? Like when I'm looking at like this, you know, genitalia signed up birth sort of like thing and, you know, but uh, like in another sense, I never really connected to being a quote unquote, like what male's supposed to be like that macho sort of sports loving, like all that stuff that like was drilled into my head uh, as a kid of like, this is what society says you're supposed to be if you're a boy, right? Um, I never identified with, with that either. And then there was a phase during my, my like kind of maybe teens into like my early twenties where um, I really started, I, I was totally obsessed with everything eighties and new wave and goth and i think that the reason why i was so drawn to those subcultures in particular was that what i what i noticed was that a lot of the men were <clears throat> playing with femininity and wearing makeup and long hair and quote unquote women's clothes and i think that that's what attracted to me to all of that was that that was felt like something that was very natural for me to do so i always sort of had this like androgynous, very gender bendy approach to like my self-expression. And the thing was, is that there wasn't, the term non-binary really wasn't around yet, or at least I hadn't heard it. And especially not in terms of how we hear it now. Like, and, and so the first time that I ever really had like some, um, had an idea of what to call maybe what I was, was that I was talking to someone and they like brought up the whole idea of being two-spirited, which is like Native American sort of beliefs Then they believe in two-spirit people. And that sort of like clicked for me, but very much like Ashley was talking about earlier, you know, I found myself in, in a particular community of gay men and it was very much 
femininity was sort of frowned upon if you wanted to get the D. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I have yeah. to... I had to put her back in the closet, leave yeah. her in the closet again, back in the closet. And uh, that's sort of, you know, and then it, being as masculine as I can. Um, right. But then I started performing in drag a little over four years ago. And and it's been really interesting because actually I, I was having a conversation with my partner a couple weeks ago. And... I was talking the, to them about the fact that, you know, I think that I really identify as non-binary. Like, I don't think that there's necessarily a, and maybe this is, I, and you guys can you feel free to correct me if I'm wrong or this isn't right. But like, I don't necessarily feel for myself that there is a trans component to maybe me being non-binary. Like I feel perfectly comfortable in this in my body. I feel like everything is the way that it is supposed to be, but I just don't really feel bound by like gender roles in order to express myself. Mm -hmm. So when I get up in full drag, I'm a she and I'm like, you know, super hyper feminine. But then, I mean, I have some times where I'm just like going to the gym in a trucker hat and jersey shorts and like, you know, mobbing around with a full beard. And that's fine, too. Right. Um, I just don't feel bound by like these ideas of like gender and like specific roles or ways that we're supposed to present. Um, and so in that way, I feel like. I'm non-binary, but I think that that has been one of the things that's been fun for me is that I feel like I'm in a community where I'm in a safe space to sort of like explore that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm encouraged to explore that. And I have a lot of people around me who can I can talk to about it and, uh, you know, hear what they have to say. And that's why conversations like this are so good. And mm -hmm. this is actually the first time in a public forum that I've ever really like admitted that like that I feel that way, yeah. but <laughs> so yeah. thank you. Like, and, and I look forward to just figuring it out and yeah. or thank not God. figuring it out. I think that's the beauty of it is that like, you know, Ashley and Dragon were saying like, I don't necessarily have to, I can right. just be happy and exist and have whatever that looks like. Yes. Yes. Thank and, you all so much for answering that question around gender and uh, it brings up a great question from the comments. Uh, Cameron asks, what advice or encouraging words would you give a young individual trying to understand the gift of being gender fluid and working hard to ensure their faith internally supports the feeling? I know for me, my transness is a direct result of my spirituality, um, but maybe some of you all could, could share some of your experience, uh, Ashley or Dragon. Um, yeah, it's, I'll go. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, I, you know, I won't lie. It's, it's hard because there's a lot of, uh, stress and confusion when you're trying to figure yourself out, especially because our society just wants you to, you know, pick a side and stick to it. And it's not as simple as that for me. 
Um, I think exploring gender is the most spiritual thing you can do for yourself, um, because at the end of it all, you uh, you figure it out and you you really know yourself. And maybe you'll make a mistake over here, or maybe you'll go too far. And uh, to be blunt, when I you know when I had top surgery, I was like, "Oop, nope, that's not what I really wanted to do." And you know, I had to admit to myself, I was like, "That's not really exactly where I wanted to go." Um, but you have, I would say, take your time, really connect with yourself, try to figure it out. Um, you might not get it right the first time. Um, talk to uh, someone professionally if you can, along with um, a doctor. But I, I think going on the journey um, is definitely worth it. And at the end, you might realize, eh, I didn't need any of that. Or you might realize and, and connect with who you truly are. Thanks, Ashley. Yeah, and um, for like I like I mentioned earlier, I volunteer for the National LGBT Hotline, and I get a lot of calls. Um, I can't discuss any of the details of the calls because confidentiality, but like it's a lot of young trans people, and you know we have we have chat rooms where they can like talk to other young trans people. Um, we have a glossary where you can go over like every single definition. And the, the main thing I try to tell them is like, it's okay to not have everything figured out right now and to be as kind to yourself as humanly possible. Like I, um, like tr trigger warning, um, like self-harm. Um, when I was figuring out I was non-binary, but I was like, well, and I didn't fully understand that like, for me personally, I'm somewhere between like, like no gender and ma very masculine. Um, but the people I had like dated before, which unfortunately were a lot of straight men, um, I felt like no one would ever love me again. So um, I did attempt to end it um, when I was about 23 and I didn't have these resources, I didn't know it was fully going on with me. So I would just, finding your local community, whether that be your National LGBT Center, whether it be a hotline, whether it be anything at all, just the, the real soul killer is feeling alone and making sure that during your journey, you're like, you're not completely isolated, I think is a very important step. And that's why like current events make me like very worried yeah. about trans youth. Cause like, I, I just don't want them to feel alone or isolated because that's the hardest thing is like, you're trying to figure out yourself, but you feel unsupported. So I would just recommend like um, finding that community, whether it be online in person, what have you, like that's just really vital to like your spiritual health, I think. Yeah, very well said. Thank you so much for sharing that, both of you. <laughs> um, so we are um, rounding up to about the last 10 minutes or so of our time here. And so I wanted to give um, everyone an opportunity to speak to something that maybe you had anticipated you would talk about before today that we haven't got, got to, 
or maybe something's come up for you that you would like to share or maybe reiterate um, after having this conversation today. Um, does, any, does anything come to mind for anyone? Um, well, I, I, I just wanna thank everybody who's here for you know, being so open and vulnerable. And I feel like definitely Dragon and Ashley and Bonnie, I, there's so much that I like, I feel like connected to you all now because in, in the sense that I relate to so many different things that you said and our, like I said, our, our experiences are very similar, but I think for me, sort of piggybacking off of what a dragon just said and reading some of the things that are in the chat. Um, you know, this is why things like Pride Month um, are so important. Um, and, and it goes back to like what we do as entertainers, um, drag artists, as performers, as uh volunteers in in our community um you know like i'm the reigning grand duchess of san francisco the reason why i do those things and the reason why i'm i'm visible is so that other people who feel alone can see me mm -hmm. and see that like i exist and that i'm here and that if i'm here and i'm existing then that means that they can too and uh, and that's what, like, to me is, like, I always feel like pride is so important. And it's so important, especially for, like, the, the young kids, the youth. Because I remember growing up, I felt so alone. I felt so isolated. Then that was because there wasn't, I didn't see anybody who was like me, you know? <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so I just... My, my thing for Pride Month this month is just like inspiring everybody to live louder, live prouder and be bolder and shine brighter, you know, every day so that people know that we're here, we exist and uh, they can too. <laughs> yes, very well said, very well said. Ashley or Dragon? Um, I can go. I, I was just gonna... Um just based on the last thing I talked about, just wanted to quickly plug um, the, the first, the National LGBT Hotline. Um, there's a website, it has the phone number, um, www.lgbthotline.org. There's no age limit. You do not have to be in full blown like crisis mode to call. Like we, if you're just confused, you have questions. If you're like I feeling isolated, especially for the youth, like please, please call. And if you want to volunteer, we need volunteers, always, always and forever. Um, and also the trans clinic, the trans clinic, it's a, it's a website. It's the first fully online um, trans health group. Um, it's trans owned. They, they can do, give you online consultations, um, help you get your medication. Um, I'm doing a show with them next Tuesday for their trans Tuesdays. And yeah, they're really, Lovely group. Just wanted to mention those. Thanks so much, and uh, and and everyone. Yeah, everyone's contact information, their socials are in the descriptions, or you're seeing them post in the comments. So 
feel free to reach out directly to any of the artists and they can get you connected. Ashley? Um, just the one thing I learned through this journey of self-exploration is to, uh, is to love yourself. Um, loving yourself sometimes comes with sacrifices, especially if that means uh, some type of uh, gender exploration. Um, it won't be easy. Sometimes you lose things that you uh, love, and that's mainly the attention of certain um, certain spots of the LGBTQ community. Sometimes you just don't fit into those spaces anymore. So, you know, the it, it's just a different experience, but it is the most spiritual and the most connecting thing that I did for myself was to love myself, to accept myself, uh, to live the most authentic um, uh, way that I possibly could um, and accept anything that, that comes with that. Um, but again, live authentically, live your truth. And then those people that do come into your life or you're going to show them your most authentic self and you're going to have true connections with people. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Um, big thank you to Ashley Blow, the Dragon King, Bobby Friday, um, all the questions um, and comments in the comment section. Thank you so much for being so engaged in our conversation today. I know we covered a lot of, a lot of bases. You know, we started out, talking about our childhoods. We talked about gender. We talked about drag and we talked about spirituality. I think we really covered a lot of, a lot of uh, ground today. And I really thank you all for being so um, willing to share a part of yourself with us here today, because, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that you have to do. Um, and I think it's just, I feel very honored that you're willing to say yes, uh, you're willing to show up today and you're willing to share yourself with me and with our audience and those who will come across this interview uh, at a later date. Um, I did want to take a moment just to invite folks, if they did enjoy this conversation today um, on Dragon Spirituality, wherever you're coming across this, if you're watching us live, put it in the comments. If you're watching us on YouTube or Twitch or Facebook or listening to us on a podcast, please do leave us a message in the, con in the comments or in the description. Um, reach out to us. Our contact information will live there for forever. <laughs> I'll do my best to keep it um, up to date um, so you can try to reach out to us um, and get connected with us. Um, please share this video or audio with a friend or another person in your life who you think may benefit um, from this conversation. Um, I wanted to also send a great thank you to Glide and the Glide Pride team. I'd like to thank Mark and LB, who were our camera and uh, our production team <laughs> um, today. Thank you so much. We couldn't have done it uh, as smoothly and as well without you. So thank you so much for showing up for us here today. Um, and as always, if you want to, um, we did have we did mention some other folks: Peaches Christ, uh, Lotus Boy, who is a, a sibling to the Dragon King as well as many others, 30 other artists um, have also had these conversations. So if you wanna get more, I guess you wanna hear more about drag and spirituality, um, you know, check out the podcast or YouTube at A Queer Chaplain. 
Um, yeah, and I think that's all we need to say. Maybe we can bring all four of us up on the stage equally um, and we can wave hello and goodbye. Love you and happy pride to everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey y'all, Bonnie Violet here again. Just wanted to take a second to let you know about Splintered Grace Podcast. Splintered Grace Podcast just completed its fifth season entitled Still Seeking. Splintered Grace is a podcast that I co-host with my aunt who is a conservative Christian and one of my biggest supporters in my trans identity and just life in general. While many family members are choosing to no longer speak, we have chosen to sit at the table and engage in difficult conversations to find peace and restoration. Over our 24-year relationship, we have had a lot of ups and downs, and we haven't always really liked each other. We definitely never understood each other, and still some of it we don't, but we love one another so much and so hard and really work hard to show up for one another. And our hope is that by listening to this podcast, others may be able to begin to have peace and restoration in some of their other relationships with family members and or other loved ones. Uh, check it out. Splintered Grace podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Take care. Love you. Bye.